Hey there, welcome back to the Northwest Audio Podcast, Midweek Formation, where we give some supplemental content to take your formation beyond Sunday morning. My name is Nick, I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke, and special guest, J.D. Collar. Today we are expanding on J.D.'s message from Sunday called God Created Me and discussing what it means to be made in the image of God. Now that one, that one was timed perfectly and I didn't expect it to be because there were a lot more words to say, but that one was... Your, that your was, timing just continues to make improvements, man. It's pretty, it's pretty Holler good. Holler at JD Collar, first time on the yes. podcast. What's up? Welcome. Hello. Welcome, JD. We are so glad that you're with us. I'm super excited about this conversation. So am I. We're well, thankful. That, start. I, I actually thought you had rehearsed that with the... Uh, with, with the, the music timing it was so it was i'm so honored solid. you hear that wow. you thought i practiced it what well, let me you did for like a year i did that's <laughs> true you I guess if you consider the last year and a half practicing then yes i've been practicing <laughs> oh it's on point it was it was very thank you strong. thank you thank you thank you many of our listeners have no real grasp of just how much like production work a podcast takes and so y'all need to like encourage nick and give him a high five when you see yeah. him because the Be master, like, the master editor, producer of our podcast. Yeah, I was just telling JD that um, at the beginning when we first started recording these, people don't know this, but our recordings were like two hours worth of stuff to oh say. My and we were like, yeah, let's trim this down to 40 minutes. Yeah. So like the first three months of the podcast, yeah, I had to take like an hour and a half off of those. <laughs> it was so much stuff that I was like, yeah, we. I guess I just have to get the gold nuggets from it. Stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good time. Uh, so JD, your message yesterday was phenomenal i was like i felt myself multiple times being like oh come on yeah yeah say it say that yeah that's so good <laughs> it was it was really really awesome um and so i took some notes on just some things that i just like really stood out to me that i feel like our listeners would really benefit from hearing more about of like unpacking those yeah. things um specifically like you know obviously image of just this whole concept that's your whole message was about image specifically you know going that representative route um of like you know image refers more to representation than it does to like oh yeah you have a soul and a brain like or your face looks a certain way and that's how god's face looks mm. like some people have even said that of just like yeah, yeah the image of god this must be what god looks like yeah. like the I only not. other the only <laughs> other sermon i've ever heard on image of god in terms of carriers or representatives was um the analogy of a coin mm. and so like the pre mm. the president's impressed um, oh, interesting uh, image on a coin and that that represented it. And so I, I don't know if you've ever thought of that analogy before, I've but that, that no. yeah, that's yeah. the only other that's analogy I've ever heard. Um, but your, the history that you taught from the Ostrahasis was so compelling yeah. to be able to compare and contrast those two works. Yeah. Especially to be awesome. like, you know, imagine God forming this image, just like they would have formed those, you know, the statues and all the different things. And, um, I just loved, I, I quoted you a little bit of just like his presence there. Yeah. Like wherever you go, that's his presence now. Like his presence goes there because that's the representative of God or it works. Like you said the words extending the walls of the garden. And I was like, oh yes. Like it's just, it's, I think it changes the way we think about our life. Honestly, like it, when we say, oh, I made an image of God, like that, but that might mean a little bit of like, oh yeah, I have value. Yay. Woohoo. But then when we think of like, I'm a representative of God, that goes more than just value, but also our responsibility. Mm. Yeah. I think there's a whole theology of work that can oh, yeah. be pulled out of that. Mm. So there's like this 
misconception, I think, in the church where it's like there's sacred work and there's secular work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you guys are pastors. So right. that like elevates your work. Right. Um, and then the rest of us who are not, it's like there's there's sort of this like commonality, like this mm. lower tier from a spiritual perspective. Like the term lay people yeah, that came up. Yeah, we're just the lay people. But I think when you think about the image of God as being God's representatives and, and mm-hmm. extending the walls of the garden, um, I think that means that all the work that our hands yeah. find becomes sacred in a way. Yeah. And it becomes valuable because it's all contributing. It's all cultivating. The language I used yesterday was like cultivating that goodness yeah. of creation and drawing out the good things that God has endowed in creation and extending the walls of the garden. It's like taking the goodness that God has made and and bringing it further. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think that brings meaning and relevance and depth to the types of jobs that normally people wouldn't look yeah. at to say like, oh, this is a sacred thing, but actually no, like we can create like a little Eden in mm. the, you know, wherever it is that we right. work, even if you're like a, you know, working retailer, or cashier, something you just would not think is like, yeah. um, you know, sacred work, but you can, you can infuse it with that spirit when right. you begin to understand this broader meaning of what it means to be made in the image yeah. of God. Have you read Garden City? By John Mark Comer? I'm not. It is a great book that's literally about that. He he goes through Genesis 1 and it's literally all about rest and work and about, mm-hmm. you know, he does a whole theology of work in the beginning of it. Um, he actually uses this, you know, this example that honestly reset the the whole concept in my mind a little bit of he was like, I'm typing this on a computer and I'm typing that and I'm typing on that computer on a desk and I have a coffee next to me. And he basically like traced back the steps from the very beginning to get that coffee on his desk, to get that desk made and to get his computer underneath his hands. And he's like, all of these people, you know, like it, you know, the person has to make the coffee. The person that makes the coffee had to use a machine that makes the coffee, which means somebody had to make that machine, you know, and and then the person had to get the beans from this other place and that had to take a relationship. And in order to get there, it needed transportation systems. It needed people to transport it. All of these things. It's like every person has a role like you know just like you said you know uh to cultivate that goodness to to nourish yeah. um the world and to nourish god's creation it's like let's let's keep moving let let you have a role here you yeah. know like you are progressing the the nourishment of the society that you live and in coffee is like a great example of that right yeah. like god made the earth with the ability to produce and create coffee right. beans like i can't create a coffee bean like I can, I can maybe create the the context yeah. in which a coffee bean can grow. Yeah. But that's different than being able to actually mm. like make a coffee bean, right? That's why my yeah. daughter, she <laughs> will sometimes like at dinner, um, she'll clarify who made dinner versus who prepared dinner. And there's like a, there's like a difference between who made and who, like well God made God made the food right yeah. like I didn't make the food I may have prepared like I heated it up and like oh, combined it with so a few things but there's a difference right yeah um, but but that's the idea even in a cup of coffee that like there's this inherent goodness mm. that God has made but through the creative energies of human beings and the work of our hands yeah. we're able to extend and cultivate that so that now thousand miles away from probably or however many thousand yeah. from wherever those coffee beans were grown that you can enjoy it through not just the agricultural stuff, but yeah. then the ingenuity of creating these yeah. fancy devices that froth it and whatever yeah. else it does. But, yeah. but that's an example of that. Yeah. And and I feel like that just goes further to show like how not true the whole concept of like, you know, sacred vocation, sacred, like sacred work and, and secular work and how the lay people are just like beneath this. Like, it's like, man, there is a very important role 
every in all of those things. Hundred percent. Um, and I think you even realize that sometimes. If, I feel like there are some work environments in which you realize, you know, if something if something gets taken away, and then you realize, oh man, like I needed that. You know, like you you think that cleaning the bathrooms is not an important job until that until person stops done, cleaning right? the bathrooms, and then you're like, oh shoot. <laughs> Somebody needs to clean the bathrooms. And then you become like so much more grateful of like, wow, that's a really important job. For sure. It is totally a misunderstood and misguided piece of, I would call demonic propaganda to say that there's a secular space and a sacred space. Yep. 100%. Um, because it's all God's space. It is all spiritual space. It's just whether or not the people that occupy that space know it or not. Yeah. And so, you know, when we're talking about the image of God, we're talking about if someone has a heartbeat and is breathing air, they are made in the image of God, whether they know it or not yeah. is really irrelevant to how we treat mm. them and how we interact with them. And again, going you know full circle back to creating a basis for how Christians interact with someone who's exploring or who's just straight up far from God. Well, just because they are far from God doesn't preclude them yeah. from being made in the image of God. They're made in the image of God yeah whether they know it or not. Right. The, val the value is a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. Yeah. And so um, this, you know, this to kind of tease up this next question you put down here, Nick, which is which way do you want to rule? Yeah. You know, and you asked us of that, you asked us that on Sunday and in alignment with God or whatever is right in your eyes. And I think that um, it is not just the culture around us that does things in their own right in their own right eyes. Christians are notoriously oh, yeah. guilty of this as well. And Christians love to do that and then slap God's name on it. Which They'll is like, yeah, a whole other issue there. and a whole, yeah, a whole <laughs> other podcast. Um, but as I guess I would ask you, uh, JD, as you think about which way do you want to rule and in alignment with God or whatever is right in your eyes, how would, how would you describe that to be uh, modeled in just kind of the everyday fabric of life mm. in the like wake up in the morning, get your kids yeah. to school, get to your workspace, add value to your work, be responsible for the things you've agreed to be responsible for, be firmly planted and present where you are. That means when you get home and you've got children at home, you're present with them. And so I, I would love to like know where your head's at. How, how have you negotiated the tension of ruling in alignment with, um, you know, God's purposes, God's plans, God's intentions, but not overruling him, not trying to overrule mm -hmm. him by doing what is right in your own eyes. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you negotiate that just in your everyday life? Yeah. Um, I wish I had a really easy formula. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that those easy formulas exist, but I think all the things you described there are good things. I think all of those things I would put in the category of what it means to be like a, uh, a faithful ruler, a faithful steward, you might would be an, another word you could put in there of my children and their lives and, and how I'm parenting them, um, the other people and relationships that I have. I think the thing when I when I think about this question of like ruling and whether you do it in alignment with God's um, vision of, of truth and, and what is right versus what's right in my own eyes, the word that comes to my mind is, is justification, mm. that it becomes very easy as a human to do what's right in your own eyes, meaning like, not necessarily that I'm tempted to like go rob an ATM. Like that's not usually a temptation for me. <laughs> that's a temptation of Nick's just not. Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah, those, those sorts of temptations, like what's overtly and obviously wrong, but it's like the subtle perversions yeah. of things that mm. are much more difficult because we as humans are really good 
at justifying and creating narratives in our own mind that we then begin to believe and use it to justify things that may be right in our own eyes, but in contrast with what God says. It's they're good they're and subtle, right and true. very acute. Yeah. yeah, and I think the the story at the tree is a great example of that, that when you look at how that deception took place and even why the tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they were prior to that, they were um, effectively like moral infants, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they, um, they were deceived by the, by the snake, the serpent in terms of like, well, did God really say that? And then she notices that the tree did look good to eat. And like, why did God? I mean, this looks really good, right? Yeah. So there's this, this vision of like, wow, well, maybe, maybe God didn't know that it was going to be really mm. tasty and that it looks good. And this is probably going to nourish me. Or maybe he wasn't justified in what he had to say, that justification piece yeah. of like, I feel justified in making this call being like, you know, he, I know he said this, but I think he's probably wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean? You look at it, it's like, it's a big juicy piece of fruit. Yeah. Right. And so like, that's what I eat and that's what keeps me nourished. Like maybe there was something amiss about this whole mm. thing. And then you've got this voice in the back saying like, oh, well, maybe you should eat it and it'll make you like God. Um, when the irony of the whole story is like, they're already like God. Yeah. Right. And the irony of the story is like, God already made them yeah. in, in his image. They already had everything they could ever want. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So there's like this deep irony to that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I see that proclivity in myself all the time yeah. where it's like, well, there's the big juicy fruit here. And I don't know if you're like looking for examples, I'd have to think hard to come up with like some concrete examples of like well, daily just, life, but there is like this, this twisting, this, this subtle twisting to create a selfish motive behind something, to create like uh, a manipulation or an opportunity for selfish gain out of something that might, even on the exterior, look like good and holy and pure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I totally was digging for some some examples of that subtlety. And I couldn't help but think of, you know, when Jesus was tempted by the enemy with, you know, these... uh, Basically, I would call the three P's pleasure, power, and possessions, right? Mm -hmm. And so you've got offering him the kingdom, um, showing off that he wouldn't die if he jumped off the tower, um, the pleasure of of fresh bread, you know? And so I just can't help but wonder if some of the examples in our everyday life are the very same things that the enemy offered Christ. He offers to us in a variety of ways every single day. Um, he offers us opportunities to not use our power to empower others, but to overpower others, right? Mm. He offers us um, pleasures that are completely unnecessary for the sustaining of life. Um, Or he offers us uh, the possessions, um, not just material possessions, but uh, including material possessions, but um, like like too many relationships, too, too many things, too many responsibilities. And so you've filled your life to the point of, of um, collapse because you can't withstand the weight of everything you're trying to, trying to carry. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good example. And, and I'll, I'll be transparent on this one of like, so here's a, here's a perversion, um, a thing that's right in my own is it's like rest and Sabbath, mm-hmm. right? Like God tells us to rest and to take a Sabbath. Um, and so the, the perversion of like, what's good? Well, I like, well, I'm, I'm busy enough. Like what I'm doing is, is important enough wow. that like, I don't have to do that. That's so a like, great example. So like I can just keep running and running and running. And then the next thing you know, it's like the natural consequence, like all of this is built around these natural consequences of like, well, I'm burnt out and I've got mm-hmm. nothing left to give because I have ignored this, this, this 
thing that God says is right in his eyes. Like, look, you need to rest. Yeah. You need to take a Sabbath. You need to, you need to slow down. You need to stop. Yeah. That's what the word actually means. You need to stop. Um, but how often do we not? Mm-hmm. Often it's just like, you know, well, I got stuff to do and I'm going to get done. I'm going to get it done and, yeah. and I'm just going to keep rolling. And so we justify, we justify not doing it. it. We're like, yep. oh, I, you know, I sat for an hour yesterday. That's I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Like I'm good. No, that's man. I think that's, and I like that you said that there are just like natural consequences to that. Um, I like to think of it as, you know, God created us with a grain, like like a piece of wood. You know, like you know, if you go with the grain, you know, you're you're good and you're living in the way you were designed to. When you go against the grain, you get splinters. Mm. And it's like God God wasn't as when He said, you know, take a Sabbath. He wasn't just commanding it just because He's like, yeah, I think you should just stop for a day, just because you know, like He wasn't like He had reasoning for that. And it was that. You weren't meant to not have that. You were you were meant to stop every yeah. once in a while, um, you know, particularly every six days, <laughs> every seven days, um, you know. But I think there's something that's really beautiful about that as just like an example of that subtle perversion of just like God told me to do this. However, I'm justified for X, Y, Z to not do what he said. Um, I think that's a really good example. There's something about God's word being that ultimate um, test as to whether or not it is being done in alignment with the grain or in misalignment against the grain of that piece of wood. And isn't it interesting how most of the time we are the judge of our own decision as to whether it is justified mm. rather than just checking in with God's word to see mm-hmm. if God word God's word yeah. confirms it or does not confirm it. And so we're the ones that are judging is this in alignment with God and his purposes or not. And so there's like a there's a layer of perversion there <laughs> where yeah. Yeah. we take it upon ourselves to judge whether it is in alignment with with God and we will say well, I want to make sure that I am ruling over creation in alignment with God, in partnership with God. And instead of checking with God's word or checking with God's people or checking with God's spirit, I'm just going to check with myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how slippery of a water slide I, that never, is. I never deceive myself by that. <laughs> yeah. 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 No one never. Has, yeah, never, yeah, never. Never. I've never justified anything. <laughs> I will be a very clear judge of this situation. <laughs> I have no bias, yeah. no bias whatsoever. None. No, I think, I mean, I think that's really good. I, what, you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of when uh, the religious leaders are going to Jesus and they're like, hey, this is, you know, let me give you a scenario, a hypothetical. You know, this is what's happening on the Sabbath. What do you do kind of deal? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Jesus literally is coming back and he's just like, hey, you know, he, he does the whole man is not made for Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath was made for man. Like, you know, it's, there's this very clear, you know, the Sabbath is meant to do all these things, but then the word of the Lord says these other things take priority. You know what I mean? And it's like a, Jesus calls back to scripture, you know, looking at all of these things. It's like the loving your neighbor comes first. If it, if it comes between like, Oh, it's Sabbath. Sorry, I can't help you. Like I can't I can't help this person who's desperately in need. Yeah. You know, I have to just leave them on the side of the road. Oh, sorry. You know, like that's a whole good Samaritan situation right there. Like imagine the person's like on their Sabbath and they're like, sorry, I have to just leave you in the dirt. Yeah. You know, like that's obviously not God's desire. 
Um, and it makes me think like, it makes me think then of how, you know, when we go back to God's word and we say, God, what is your priority? Like, rather than me trying to think of your priority and try to, you know, justify whatever I'm wanting to do, instead say, God, what's your priority? Like, where, where does your word stand on these things? Where, where are you wanting to go? Where are you wanting to move? Um, you know, typically I, I try to bring all things of, you know, if I'm like <laughs> thinking through, is this alignment aligned with God or not? I just ask myself the question, does this love God? Does this love my neighbor? Yeah. That's a pretty good place to start. <laughs> um, because if it doesn't do either of those things, then it's definitely not in alignment with God. Mm. That's like a, a no brainer given immediately not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. It makes me, it kind of leads us to the, another thing of in the image versus in is the image. I love that you made that clarification. I've never noticed that of how, you know, it says that we are made in the image of God, but then it says Jesus is the image of God. Perfect representation. Um, And so like how much more then should we be looking to Jesus to see how we can be a better image of God? Yeah. Like, man, I want to be, I want to be the best representation of God that I can be. Um, I want to, I want to rule in alignment with God and be a good, um, a good steward of that rulership that he gave me. And so how do I do that? Well, the best way to do that is to follow Jesus yeah, and to, be an to do it, yeah, be completely imitate Christ. No wonder Paul uses that language. It's almost like Paul knew what he was talking about. Um, of just like, if we imitate Christ, who is the image, then that will like, obviously like that, that solves it for us. That's how you want it. That's how, that's the best way to be an image bearer. Yeah. You stressed it quite a bit and it seemed like it was really important to you. And I, you struck a chord and it was a beautiful sounding chord. I think it was, it was something that people uh, needed to understand cognitively, but they also needed to understand it inside of their soul and their heart. Can you just take a minute and expand on in versus it is versus in, and, and perhaps some of the, the depth that comes with that simple yet powerful thought. Mm-hmm. I think that the the reason I stressed it the way I did was I wanted to um, create an emphasis on um, the role of Jesus as the perfect representation, Mm -hmm. kind of getting back to what you were saying, Nick, about being imitators of Christ, that what we see in him is the fullness, the complete, the Mm -hmm. perfect representation, the perfect image of God. Um, in a way we don't often think about Christ, like the truly human one that yes, yeah. he was God, but he was also the truly fully, most fully alive yeah. human who's ever lived. Yeah. Um, wow. and I, I think we, we sometimes don't think about him in those terms. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, Luke, I, I kind of immediately moved from that into this piece about like, it's easy to distance him because he was perfect and because he was God and that we are not. But I think my, my goal is to set that out, but then also to tie it together at the end with this idea of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the, the, the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit and having that image restored, I think the thing I didn't get into that would also be another sermon unto itself is like, yes, that restores the image in us. And yes, that is um, like the essence of our union with God, but it also doesn't immediately heal 
all of the like the frailties and the the you know the moral failures and things inside of us that are imperfect because mm. we still carry those but it is it is an ongoing process of sanctification it's like that ongoing process of as the spirit um, continues to move in us that we continue to grow in our godliness which is that that passage in second peter which i think is really cool that peter starts with this like super mysterious phrase of like participate in the divine nature it's like mind blown like what does that mean like that's you know super wild but then he immediately ties it to like all of these really earthy kinds of of virtues of like well Mm -hmm. you're going to grow in your godliness and your faithfulness and and your kindness and all these things um i don't remember all the ones that he lists off the top of my head but that's like literally the next couple of verses so i think there's this this connection between um between that that union that is um, like intangible and very mysterious, but then immediately connecting to like the very earthy and very day-to-day kinds of things that you're talking about because it it grows, the fruit is in all of those daily life moments. It brings new meaning, a strong new meaning to the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the indwelling and the, the um, diffusing of those, the union, uh, yeah. you know, the mystical union between the, the spiritual fabric of God, the Holy Spirit, and the human flesh fabric of our humanity comes together as one union. It brings, it really does bring a new meaning to the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and that there's, um, there's, they're not the fruits of Luke and JD and Nick. They are truly the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. it's the Spirit in us. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's what it looks like. Um, and I think that actually gets to kind of like a a deeper thing that I I hinted at a little bit, but I, I didn't fully unpack, which is kind of like our, our holistic conception of the gospel that like, is it, um, like a, a get saved and behave and, and maybe escape mm. kind of paradigm. That was the best way I've ever heard that described. Get saved and behave. And I, can't, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't, I can't take credit for that. That's not mine. Um, uh, I should also disclaimer, like everything you've heard me say is like an amalgamation of things oh, that yeah. I've read and things that I've heard. I, I don't 100%. know that I've ever had an original thought in my entire life, but, um, spoken like a true pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is all, all borrowed. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but that, that get saved, behave, and then escape, which gets into like, you know, rapture and what is, what yeah. is God going to do with the earth? And like, none of this really matters because God's just going to destroy right. it all anyway. And he's going to take my spirit up to heaven and like, that all of that needs mm. discussion and yeah. work. Um, but this deeper idea of, in, in fact, Jesus says it, and it's one of these things, it's a verse that many people know, but we don't, we don't really like understand or, or break it down. But like eternal life is this, yeah, that you would know God and his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, well, what I thought eternal life was that like you zap me up to heaven after I die, after I die <laughs> and that's it. But I, I really think that like all of this is predicated on, on this union. In fact, I'll tell you a story. Um, so um, shortly after I became, what I, I don't know if I want to say a Christian because I don't think that's quite right, but before, uh, shortly after I became deeply interested and passionate about the Lord in my life, okay? Because it's been a long journey and, mm-hmm. and that would be another thing to unpack. But so I had this... Um, guy this was in college who was sort of a mentor figure to me and he was this like highly charismatic guy both charismatic in personality but then also charismatic in his like yeah. expression of faith and he was also an avid weightlifter and so like i'm i'm uh 
upstairs in my room thinking about this stuff and he's downstairs in the gym and I lived on top of the gym because I was a basketball player. So like my room was like literally on top mm -hmm. of the gym. And so I go down and I ask him this question. I said, so I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding how Jesus dying on the cross has any like point of connection to me that like, so he died on the cross and that's forgives my sins. But like, I don't understand, like, what's the, what's the thing that brings that into connection with me? Mm. Like, where, where's that? Like, how does that work? Yeah. And he looked at me and like with a big smile, like a big joyful smile. And just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it does. <laughs> I don't know, man, but it's best. <laughs> Most honest answer ever. <laughs> I don't know, but it does. And I wrestled with that for years until I, until I realized it's, it's union with Christ. Mm hmm it's that we have been crucified with him and that I no longer live, but Christ lives in yeah. me. It's like when you go back and start reading all this stuff of Paul through the lens of union with Christ, like, no, he actually really means yeah. that like we have been crucified with Christ and that like the death that he died was our death yeah. and that his resurrection as he overcame death and like shot through on the other side and like, um, you know, put to, put to death, death and overcame sin and all of this stuff. Like, that was our victory as well. Yeah. And so we are united with him in all of that. And that starts now. And it's, it's, it's in a way we're, we're growing into it through our sanctification, but the spiritual reality yeah. is there inside of us. Yeah. I love that you said, you mentioned the whole, you know, eternity starts now. It's a very Eastern thought, you know, very Eastern thought of like eternity being just as much qualitative as it is quantitative um, of like, you know, it's very similar to that whole life and life to the full. In John yeah. 10, 10, um, of like a, a life abundant with Jesus of, you know, your eternity starts now. This isn't like, and I think sometimes in, in Christian, in, in evangelical circles, I think, you know, the, the lack of understanding about, you know, this concept of union with God and eternity starting now then leads to the whole, well, then what's the point of doing anything for Jesus? That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's exactly what Paul addressed in one of his letters. I think it was, uh, I think he did it specifically in Romans um, where he says like, oh, well, we have all this grace. So then now we can just sin just all we want. we want. We can do whatever we want. He's like, by no means. Heck no, man. Like yeah. that's not, that's not the purpose at all. You know, the whole purpose is union with Christ and it starts now. This isn't just like a, oh, I'm good. I've got my ticket to heaven. So now I can just do whatever I want. Like I've got what I need, um, you know, which very much is within that get saved, behave and, and escape kind of deal. Um, but just like, this more holistic view of the gospel of being much, much wider than just like a, you're, you died and now you go to heaven. That's the whole point. That's it. The end. You know, that was the whole reason you did all of this. There's not, there's no other purpose. There's no other reason. There's no other. And that, that feeds the, the, the thing I mentioned about just make me tolerable to let me in. Mm. You know, just make me tolerable enough to let me in. Um, Which is such a behavior modification yeah. gospel which every church, including ours, needs to reject and yeah. repent from. It's so harmful. It is so harmful because it it doesn't it it's like it's trying to solve disease with band aid and neosporin. It just it never is going to work. And I think that um, you know, uh, sorry, I can't help but just think through like with my pastoral hat on. There there has just been so much harm done in the name of make me tolerable enough mm -hmm. for God to give me a ticket into heaven. Yep. Yeah. It's, it, it's that, it's that, it's that twisting perversion. Oh, it is there, so subtle like, and it is so yeah. evil. It yeah. is so demonic. It is so backwards. 
And for any of our listeners right now who are enjoying this conversation, if you have ever been trapped in a mental paradigm that has fed you, well, if I just get my behavior mm-hmm. modified to the point where God will accept me, um, there, you well, one, you won't, you won't yeah. be able to modify your behavior to the point of God accepting you because God already accepts you in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And that faith is the critical variable, not how you modify your own behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it is just amazing to me how many people have bought that brand of spiritual formation. Yeah. And it's, um, well, it justifies a midweek formation podcast yeah. talking about it. Well, it, so I have, I have a couple things that I think are important to this. So one is I think it fits really well with like our cultural mindset because we are such a rational based mm-hmm. culture yep. that the idea of like, I'm guilty and now I'm not guilty and that somebody paid this debt, like that resonates because we can kind of understand that right. inside of the way that we think now. And then that means I get this ticket to go to heaven. But this idea of like union with Christ is very mystical. It's very difficult to, to wrap your mind around. Um, but it actually, so it, it, it even ties into, I think this is helpful to think as you know, kind of the alternative of this idea of union with Christ. It's like the, the coming together of heaven and earth. Mm. Um, and that is one of the key themes when you actually go start looking at the key themes of scripture. It's like it starts he- Eden was a heaven and earth spot. Yeah. Like even Eden was a place where God and men dwelled together. And then that gets fractured. And then we see like, like attempts that, that, that God makes to, uh, to reconcile this with humans. So like the tabernacle in the yeah. old Testament was a heaven and earth spot. And God, God was making like, this is where I'm going to dwell with you. And then eventually he makes the heaven and earth spot inside of us that like the the holy of holies that the new temple is inside of us i, I didn't mention temples another example of mm-hmm. that but uh inside of us and then eventually we see in revelation 22 that god's god's place is now with human beings and mm-hmm. that his presence is everywhere that god is all and in all and and this is something i didn't mention in my my sermon but one of the verses i cut out comes from revelation 22 which is such a beautiful image at the end where um it's not people getting zapped out and going to heaven. Yeah. It's it's the heavenly city coming down yeah. to earth and you've got the 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 union of heaven and earth. It's a heaven and earth but it's them becoming one in a beautiful and now eternal and everlasting place um, that God will dwell with yeah. man. This is this is fascinating though that as I was preparing for this. So we see in the beginning God makes humankind in his image mm. so that they can rule, right? And then this gets fractured. And then we can look and you could talk about all these different things that happen in the Old Testament as like attempts to, you know, put that, give people other opportunities, step up to be right. the, the like Abraham and Noah and all these, but they all have their failures in it. Um, we see Revelation 22 and the heavenly city comes down and there's this beautiful description in it. And it's actually the very last thing in scripture before it transitions to like some concluding remarks. Mm-hmm. Like John starts talking to the angel again, and then it's like, you know, come Lord Jesus, and it finishes up with yeah. just some like concluding remarks. But the very last image of his vision is of this heavenly city. And it's this beautiful vision. And if you look, there's like all kinds of links back to Eden, that it's like, you know, the the river of life is there and, and God's presence is there. And the very last thing that it says, and I don't know if you're pulling it up. I am pulling it up right now. But the very last thing that it says is that human beings will be there and it actually says, you know what we're doing? We'll be ruling with him. 
And it's like, it was mind blowing to me. It's like, it's the bookends of the Bible. It's like, he starts off placing us in a position of rulership. And then when we see what we're doing, and I don't pretend to know what it means that we're going to be ruling with God for eternity. I don't think that means we're on the same level as God, but I do think it means that there will be in the heavenly city, there will be like responsibilities that we have, that there'll be work that we're doing, that there'll be important, meaningful things that we're doing, that God is entrusting us with responsibility in this. And that because that image is now fully restored in us, that we will be able to handle it. And it will be just this beautiful community, uh, this beautiful civilization that, that God will be infused into everything mm. in a way that we can only imagine now. Do you want to read it? Yeah. So this is Eden restored. Uh, this is Revelation 22, verse 1 through 5. Then the Lord showed, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Tag back to Genesis 3. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Yeah, it's wild. That's so good. It's I have wild. never noticed that. I love that you pointed that out. It's like oh the goodness. last thing. Yeah. It's like the bookends of the Bible of like humanity that he he has intent for us to exercise responsibility yeah. faithfully. Mm. That's so good. To exercise that responsibility faithfully is just that bookending. You know, it, it goes perfectly with what you said that what does it mean to be a Christian? To participate in the divine nature, to participate in that call that was originally given to humanity. Like that's what it means to be a Christian. To be Christian is to be human. Yeah. In it, in its most holistic sense, really. Um, I think it was uh gosh, who was it? Um Saint Irenaeus, maybe, who said, um, the glory of God is man fully alive. Have you mm. heard this before? Glory, I've heard that. The glory of God is man fully alive. Yeah. And this is somebody writing in like the year 300 or something, yeah. 150 maybe. I don't they had know. it figured out, man. They knew. <laughs> <laughs> there are actually a couple of the patristic writers who wrote something similar yeah. to that. Man, yeah. That's awesome. JD, thank you for being on this yeah, podcast. Thanks man. so much. Thanks dude. for making time for this. Appreciate yeah. it. Great. If you have questions or things you want us to talk about on the podcast, please let us know. You can do that by going to the media tab on our website at mercyroadnw.com. And on our website, you'll also be able to find more details and information about our community. And you can get a hold of me or Luke directly as well if you go to the staff page there. So thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon.